Hello and welcome to Science for Progress podcast. This is episode 6.1. And for this episode, I talked to Diana Barbosa about skepticism and concept, the Portuguese Skeptic Society. You may have already heard the short promo that I cut together from our interview where Diana was talking about soon-to-happen activities that are now over, but I didn't want to take away the opportunity for you to go to these events. Diana and I had a very interesting conversation, and after cutting everything, I ended up with a very long episode overall, so I decided to take out some parts and move them into a second part for this episode. So this is episode 6.1, and in a few days I will publish episode 6.2. And in that episode we are going to talk in depth about uh, three topics that are typically addressed by skeptic societies. Creationism, using nuclear power against climate change, and issues regarding alternative medicine regulation in Portugal. I hope you enjoy this uh, new experiment. And as always, we start with our guest introducing herself. My name is Diana Barbosa, and I'm a science communication manager and the president and co-founder of Comcept, the Portuguese Skeptics Community. Uh, my background is in biology. I have a biology degree, and then I specialized in evolutionary biology, and I studied animal behavior until I started doing science communication and working on science communication about eight years ago. I saw on your LinkedIn page that you're doing a master's in science communication. Uh, I have been doing the job, but I didn't have uh, proper formal training in science communication. And I felt that it would enrich my, my, my learning experience and also my working experience to have um, formal training. So I engaged in, the, in a master's degree at the new University of Lisbon, and it's, it's an ongoing. I want to uh, deliver my project at the end of the summer. So you're almost done? Uh, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> more or less. Uh, it's, a, it's a work in progress. But I had, during uh, the years I've been working and doing science communication, I had informal training. But as you know, in academia... Uh, a formal training is also necessary. Yeah, we kind of uh, train to always want the formal education, yet another seminar and another degree. Yeah. You are co-founder of the Skeptic Society in Portugal, and it's the only one in Portugal. Uh, as a formal organization and that I know of, yes, we are the only one. Uh, we started as an informal group, in 2012, we opened up our webpage at concept.org and we started writing about science, about skepticism, about critical thinking, about the frontier between science and society. We started also in that year to organize meetings and conferences. And over the years, as we, de as we developed our work, we felt the need to formalize our activities. And so in 2016, we registered as a nonprofit. So now we are a formal organization. There are different groups on Facebook, for example, but that I know of, we are the only formal skeptical organization in Portugal. 
Oh, interesting. There are a lot of parallels to what I want to do with Science for Progress. Um, so what is skepticism? Well, that's a question we get, we get asked a lot, and sometimes it generates some confusions and some, some misconceptions. Um, we adopted the word skeptic uh, coming from the Anglo-Saxon movement of skepticism. Uh, it's not as common in Portugal, and usually people relate the word skepticism with philosophy and philosophical skepticism. Um, but we are uh, uh, scientific skeptics. So uh, what we promote is the use of science and the use of scientific knowledge into our everyday lives and into our way of thinking and, and rationalizing and arguing. Uh, so I'm not a, a, a skeptical historian, but I suppose the origin of the movement is somewhere around the 70s Uh, in, in, in North America with psych, uh, psych org and other organizations that dealt mostly at that time with paranormal, um, paranormal arguments and uh, mediums and that sort of thing. And then it progressed, I believe, also in, in those countries to other types of, of topics and subjects like science-based medicine and climate change denialism and anti-vaccine movements. Skeptical movements are now engaged in all those problems which are very serious for, for our society. So in everyday language, we usually think of skeptical of somebody who doesn't agree, who in generally doesn't agree with something. Yeah, by definition, being skeptical is to doubt, is to... To, to doubt of what you are being told, to doubt of, uh, to have a doubt about what you are reading or hearing. And we do doubt, we do place our doubts, especially when the, the allegations that are uh, hard to believe. So when something is so out there and, and so out of place with what scientific knowledge tells us, We doubt. We don't doubt about everything, everywhere, every day. But when, when allegations are, are a bit outrageous, then we place our doubt and we look for science to find an answer. A lot of times you have people who are critical of scientific findings um, calling themselves skeptics. I, I, I'm being generous here. They're actually mm. uh, rather on the denialist side. So do you face that problem that a lot of people conflate the term skeptic with denialism? Yes, we have been uh, reached by um, journalists, for example, asking us why we didn't trust vaccines. And we had to explain that we do trust vaccines. We are uh, supportive of vaccines and we encourage everyone to vaccinate their children. It's, it's sort of like the, the use of the word theory. No, you can use the word theory in a colloquial context and it means one thing. And you can use the word theory in a scientific context and it means another. So you can use the word skeptic as in I am doubtful. 
And you can use the word skeptic society or skeptic community in the sense of the, an organization that promotes rational thinking, critical thinking, and science. It generates uh, misconceptions, but we're all, always happy to, to explain and to... So you distance yourself from people who use the word or call themselves skeptic um, in this way. But then there are other uh, movements, I would say, that are kind of overlapping with skepticism. It's like the atheist movement or the free thinker movement, for example. Yes, there is a connection and there is an overlap. Uh, although I believe that the atheist movements set their efforts on fighting for uh, religious freedom and the rights of non-believers and the separation from the church and state, and it's a, a, a very fine type of activism. The type of activism that we do, especially at Comcept, it's not that type of activism. We are in, more engaged into scientific debate and into bringing science to society and clarifying science-related subjects. Although when religion steps on uh, science, as in the case of creationism, for example, we also engage in, that, in those sorts of, of, of debates and fights. Did you personally had to debate these kind of things? Uh, not really. I worked uh, one of the, the first jobs I had when returning to Portugal and working on science communication. It was on an exhibition about Darwin. And we were always waiting for a group of people to show up and, 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 and maybe debate what we were explaining there. But it, it's not a very strong movement in Portugal, fortunately. Um, we know that creationism exists here. Uh, it's especially on evangelical churches and Jehovah's Witnesses also. Um, and more and more, I hear some, some anecdotes from teachers uh, that have some, prob some problems with, with their students uh, in high school. Uh, but it's still a very small percentage. It's not a, a, a huge problem, fortunately. But we are always uh, mindful that, they, that it exists. Are, are there other groups that, that you have to deal with? The group, if we can call it that, that is more worrisome for us, is the alternative medicine practitioners, the so-called alternative medicine practitioners. Um, because they, they, the ideas they propose and the supposed treatments they, they sell are dangerous and can and can be very dangerous for for people's health so this is one of the topics that we that we are worried with uh, the other ones are anti-vaxxers of course which overlap quite a lot with the alternative practitioners then you have the climate change deniers that we've engaged also with and unfortunately environmentalists which are in the sense that they are very much against um, transgenics, the so-called GMOs, genetically modified organisms, uh, especially food, genetically modified food. And I believe it's, it's 
the wrong way to go and they are going against their own aims because uh, GMOs are actually good for the environment in many ways, but they are very, very um, engaged in that fight against GMOs. Um, there are many fights to have regarding the environment, and I consider myself an environmentalist, a, a defender of, of the environment and, and of many steps that we need to take to protect uh not the planet per se, but our existence in the planet, in, in the only one we have right now. And uh, GMOs are not the enemy, but they seem to believe that they are. So we've had a few um, debates and discussions about that. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, there's also the problem of, of nuclear energy, which is a complicated topic to, to, to address uh, but in in and it's one that we've we've talked about it in a meeting, and we would probably talk about it again uh, more specifically because knowing what we know about climate change and about the, the need of energy that we have, and the sense that I have is that it's it's an option that we should be discussing. You had a prize too, right? You you were giving out prizes. Yes, every year we we give out or announce our Flying Unicorn Prize. It is a satirical prize. Uh, we were inspired by the Pegasus Awards that were given out by the James Randi Educational Foundation in the United States. Um, and we wanted to find uh, a mythical animal that worked better in Portuguese. And Pegasus didn't quite work well. So... We created our own flying unicorn because everyone knows that unicorns don't fly. So there's that. And it's a, a satirical award for people and institutions that promote misinformation and pseudoscience. So throughout the year, we, we gather nominations. Uh, it's open right now for 2018, so you can just go on our website and nominate someone or some institution or some newspaper or TV or whatever. Uh, and then uh, next year, we will split those nominations into three categories. And in the month of March, people can vote. And the results are announced on the 1st of April, April's Fool's. Cool. It's it's sort of bittersweet because we laugh about it, but it's quite serious. Um, like one of the winners, and I'm using air quotes, this year was our main public television, which throughout the last year um, uh, showcased some very bad documentaries. Uh, there was one, for example, on the cholesterol conspiracy theory, uh, also one on the glyphosate conspiracy theory. Uh, they did a, a major debate on vaccines where they had anti-vaxxers and they had alternative practitioners promoting anti-vaccinations. And that's not the sort of public television that we want. We want a public television that's, in, that's informative, that's science-based, that really promotes uh, good scientific thinking and not this sort of, of dangerous 
and and not it's not, it, not only dangerous but ideas that are not based on facts. Right. So they were the winners this year on our on our poll. One of the winners. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> there are three. We had three categories. We had one for media, um, uh, one for for celebrities for for persons, um, and a third one that's the the emperor's new clothes. Um, so in the in the shooting star category, the winner was a very famous doctor. Is an actual doctor, which is the the problem with, with <laughs> the big big problem of all the publicity that he has. Uh, he's a fan of dot of Mercola, just to give you a, a sense of the type of doctor he is. So he promotes that you should drink seawater in order to be healthy. Uh, of course, the cholesterol is all a big conspiracy, and you should eat all the the fat that you want and not take any cholesterol medicines because that's all a big pharma conspiracy. Um, uh, promotes uh, alkaline diets, detox treatments, uh, the whole thing. And he's a doctor and he's, 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 he's now in the business of writing books and selling lots and lots of books. Actually, one of his books last year came out just at the same time that our book came out. And he was a, a top, top seller, unfortunately. Huh. Uh, and the third winner, or loser, uh, it was the pharmacy faculty at the University of Coimbra that last year promoted a post-graduation course that included homeopathy. What? And when conf confronted with it, they just said, oh, but it's there's a... a it's a regulated profession, so it's okay. And that is why we are against the Portuguese law that regulates alternative practitioners, because it has been giving them credibility through, through the law and not through science, as it should. So Concept has been around for almost exactly six years. You had a birthday just a few weeks ago, right? Yes, we celebrated our sixth birthday on the 5th of April. It was the day we, we announced and put the, the site online. The 5th of April 2012, we started with just the website and then we were inspired by the sort of Skeptics in the Pub meetings that we knew about in Britain. And we started doing our Seticus Convox, which is sort of like Skeptics with a Voice. You could translate into that. We started doing it in Lisbon and we meet on a Saturday afternoon and we talk about a topic each month. Now we are doing it usually one month in Lisbon, one month in Porto, which is the second the largest city in Portugal. Uh, and we try to have a guest that is a, a, a specialist on the subject that we are discussing But not always. Sometimes we just gather and and talk about what we are doing, what we would like to do. Um, sometimes we watch a documentary or a film and then discuss it. So it's a very flexible scheme. And then we we also have um, sort of a more formal conference that we do every year. That's ConceptCon, uh, usually also around 
a broader subject and then we gather different speakers uh, on that subject. Last year it was on historical myths, so we talked about history, about the scientificity of history and different myths in Portuguese history, uh, just to give you a, an example. So those are two different ways of doing our activism. One is being online, writing blog posts, uh, writing book reviews. Uh, we also have some educational resources that we have on our website that people can use. They are PDFs you can download and use. Um, you have the live events. And we try to have um, a pedagogical um, behavior. So we're not interested in into confrontations or calling people names. We want to share information, uh, share as best as we can what science has to offer and has to tell about different topics and engage in meaningful debates, but not in shouting matches. Those are not uh, fruitful. I listened uh, when you were on the European Skeptical podcast mm -hmm. and you mentioned that you are translating books too? No, we wrote a book. Well, you wrote a book and I thought there were other books that you translated. We've, we've translated some leaflets, uh, those, those PDFs that, were, that I was talking about that we have on the website. A few of them uh, have been translated from, from English into Portuguese. But we actually wrote a book last year about skepticism that is called Não se deixe enganar, well, loosely translated, Don't Be Fooled. It was published by Contraponto, which is a, a publisher from the, the group Bertrand. And it's on sale if, everyone, if anyone is interested. How big is Concept? How many people are currently part of Concept? Okay, formal members, we are 28. But then we have uh, everyone that follows the website, that follows on Facebook, and those are a few thousand peoples. And on our uh, main conference on ConceptCon, usually we have between 70, 80 people coming. Um, so it's hard to, to measure because it's, there are different types of, of engagement that people have with us. But core members that are formally a part of the organization, we are 28. And how do you become a member of Concept? So you can reach us or we can reach you. We, we are interested in people that want to engage in, in, in our type of activism and the way that we address this sort of, of topic. So when people ask, how can I join in? I usually tell them, well, come to our events. Let's get to know each other a little bit better and to see if we share the same aims and the same tools and the same objectives, and then you'll join. Okay. And so is there a, a member's fee? or? Yes, we have a member's fee, because everything we do is, is um, funded by ourselves. So all the events that we organize, all the conferences, everything that we do is free for anyone. We don't want any... Uh, economical barriers to for people to participate to come to our conferences or our meetings 
Uh, and so when we created the, the formal organization of, of Comcept, we, we established uh, a fee, a yearly fee for our members. Uh, it's 48 euros per year. Well, that's not too bad. It's, it's not as low as other associations, as other nonprofits, but it is our only means of, of funding, except from very um, punctual uh, support that we receive sometimes, usually in the form of, of things and not in the form of money. There's also the possibility to um, donate money on your website. Uh, yes, we, we still haven't put up the, 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 the button or something like that for donations, but as a non-profit, we can receive donations. Um, and sometimes our members, besides the, the membership fee, they donate uh, to, to concept to help with, with some expenses, uh, you, especially around the time that we do ConceptCon our main conference. That's where we spend most of our budget is to bring in speakers and to pay for their traveling and their lodging. And so at that event, we always ask for, for donations and sometimes we sell some merchandising also. And so it's a way to, to help without, without uh, charging uh, a ticket, which we don't want to do. And do you want to give a quick preview on this year's Congress? It will be on the 10th of November. And we will meet in Leiria again at the museum, at the Leiria Museum. So this is a small city just north of Lisbon, about one hour north of Lisbon. We ask for the support of the city council and... Fortunately, they said yes. So we are meeting at the Lydia Museum on the 10th of November. Um, and I can say that the, the, the broad, broad subject, broad, broad topic we are thinking about this year is frontier. And that's the only thing I can say. And with this, we end episode 6.1 with Diana Barbosa. I want to thank Diana for talking to us. And of course, I want to thank you for listening. If you like the Science for Progress podcast, please share the links to our episode on social media and tell your friends and family about it and your colleagues as well. Science for Progress you can find on scienceforprogress.eu and on Twitter and Facebook under at Sci4Progress. If you have any comments, please shoot me a message under info at scienceforprogress.eu. I hope I got you interested in part two of this episode, which will be about creationism, nuclear power to fight climate change, and alternative medicine in Portugal. <laughs>